I think everyone comes into their new jobs eager to prove themselves and to learn as much as possible and to, to make impact as quickly as possible. But I, I had to slow down a little bit and, and realize that if I was going to be successful in the long term in my career, I needed to figure out how to balance my new job with other parts of my life. Just realizing that school was very much a sprint and the career is very much more like a marathon figuring out how to change the pace, I think was one of the more important lessons that I learned transitioning from school to the workforce. This one goes out to all of you who graduated or will be graduating in the midst of the pandemic. From cancelled graduations to job hunting challenges, COVID-19 has forced many students to rethink their post-graduation plans and adapt to the changing employment landscape, all of which they totally did not see coming. In today's episode, we catch up with two of our good friends, Emilia Crespo and Kevin Gital from the MBA class of 2020, to get the lowdown on what post-graduation life has been like for them. They share about the highs and lows and how they've navigated the uncertainties and ambiguities thrown their way. We hope you enjoy this insightful chat. Hi, this is Janice. And I'm Sarah N. And we're your hosts for Explore This, a podcast for the modern-day working professional. Each week, we explore actionable insights on how you can thrive personally and professionally. Hello, Kevin and Amelia. We're so happy to have you both join us today from Boston and another from Copenhagen all to chat about life after the MBA. And we know so much has happened since we last spoke, especially since you have wrapped up the MBA program in May 2020 as well. And so before we dive into today's conversation about what your post-MBA journeys have been like, we'd like for you to to give a brief introduction on your backgrounds pre-MBA, as well as what you're up to right now. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Janice. It's great to be here talking with you guys. Pre-MBA, I was a teacher. I taught in public and private schools in the U.S., abroad and online. But I also found myself working in a lot of kind of early stage business environments. So I was also the first um, salesperson at a family owned winery, helping them grow their wine brand. And then I was also the second employee at a project based learning academy in Costa Rica. So I was really attracted to these early stage business environments. And I think that's really what led me to the MBA. And I really wanted to explore a passion for education and business. And what are you up to right now? Tell us more Uh, about that. Yeah, absolutely. In combining my passion for education and business, I've actually found myself doing very much that. I'm working for Lego Education. I'm an account manager for Lego Education, so I actually work with private schools across the U.S. to help them um, develop their STEAM learning programs. Incredible. Lovely to hear that you're doing so well, especially love the piece about combining both your passion as well as your previous experience. And Kevin, what about you? Yeah, I'm originally from Kenya. And before starting my MBA, my background is in IT. That's what I studied. And that was my very first job. So I worked for a tech startup in the education technology space. Worked on that for three years. And after my MBA, very randomly pivoted into the healthcare industry. So that's what uh, I'm doing now. I work for a pharmaceutical company and I'm in this graduate rotation program. So basically, I'm sampling a little bit of everything around the commercial side of the company around the world. So I've already done eight months of a rotation in Kenya. And then now I'm doing my second rotation for another eight months. And this is in Copenhagen, where the headquarters are. And then after this beginning of next year, I'm going to go to a third location 
which I will keep secret for now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very uh, excited to find out. It's so exciting yeah. to hear that being classmates from the 2020 batch, we've been through so much like highs and lows, ups and downs. So it's awesome to see how you guys have landed in really incredible roles right now in the education space and in the healthcare space as well. And just touching on that, right, kind of walking back down memory lane, remember how when we started the MBA in 2018 and in 2017 for Sarah, we would not have imagined that we would be graduating in the midst of a global pandemic. On that note, I would like to hear more from the both of you. Did any of your post-MBA plans change as a result of this global pandemic happening? And if so, what were some of the main drivers of these changes? Maybe, Kevin, you can kickstart. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I think to begin with, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do post-MBA, but I'm pretty sure I wasn't thinking of a, a pandemic situation. So at least what I thought I, I, I had locked down was that I wanted to remain in Asia. I knew that for sure I wanted to work within the sustainability space because I'm very passionate about sustainable businesses, both a social impact and environmental impact. And so I always thought I would go into a uh, startup environment within that space. So it was very unprecedented for me coming out of it. So did I stay in Asia? Not yet. I'm saying not yet because I, I don't want to lock the possibility of coming back. But yeah, I also ended up working for a large corporate, but I made this choice consciously because this is a company whose values I truly believe resonate with my passion for sustainable businesses. And that's why I'm doing it. Thing that was very unforeseen for me is I got my offer just when the pandemic was starting, but I wasn't supposed to start until many months down the line. And I really thought that some point between getting the offer and the start date that this offer would be rescinded because it was a time when you know companies were shutting down downsizing they were rescinding offers they'd given everyone so there was quite a lot of jitters and uncertainty the whole time before i actually got to day one i remember i kept pestering the the hr and being like hey i'm still here you sure you have the job for me right do you have any charity events you'd want uh, me to you know chip in do you need extra manpower in any of your projects how can i help <laughs> just part of it was because we were in a pandemic and this was a pharma company and i thought maybe they might need a lot of help but deep down the real reason i was doing this was i wanted to remain re relevant and be sure that they still have that position for me so yeah that's the pandemic for me <laughs> what about for you amelia where you ended up before landing in Lego, you've had also quite some key decisions that you had to make and some plans were also changed as a result of the pandemic. So maybe you want to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. When you asked if plans had changed due to the pandemic, I my first thought was like, yes, all of them or almost all of them. <laughs> so uh, just a little context, like prior to the pandemic, my fiance, who's from the 2019 batch of MBA at ASB. He was working full-time and living in Shanghai. And so my plan post-MBA was I was super excited to like move to Shanghai and be working in Shanghai. So I was I was building my network in Shanghai. I had met like a lot of great people there, was making some good friends there. Lego education has a huge presence in Shanghai. So I actually had my eye on Lego education all the way back in 2019 when I was job searching in anticipation of graduation. 
And of course, living in Shanghai, we were one of the first places to be affected by the pandemic. So I remember being in Shanghai for Chinese New Year in 2020. And train routes were closing down, flights were being canceled. And we thought, oh, maybe we'll just scoot over to Malaysia for a little while and see what happens. So we actually left and went to to stay in Malaysia just for a couple of weeks, just to like see what was going to happen. And we never went back. So our entire lives in Shanghai were, were just kind of left behind at that point. And we had no idea that, that was what was going to happen. So long story short, the biggest change, I think, for me was the geography uh, of my job search. We ended up kind of crash landing very temporarily or what felt like it was very temporary in um, Dallas, Texas. But we knew we didn't want to stay there. So it was like, where should I be job searching? Who should I be talking to? So I think just a lot of uncertainty about where we were going to land. So yeah, there was quite a lot of like, moving parts and a lot of question marks and not a lot of certainties at all, which I'm sure a lot of people felt. So I think the hardest part was just not knowing even where to start my job search over again. I felt kind of like I was back at square one. And then I think the other challenge was that a lot of companies also didn't know what was going to happen. So a lot of companies were on hiring freeze, especially in the US. So my plan had also obviously been to stay in Asia. felt like it was not a really viable option at that point in time. So I was looking primarily in the US. And I think for the most part, companies in the US were not only on hiring freeze, but they were letting a lot of people go. So it was just like a really difficult, difficult time to be job searching and to stay positive and to stay motivated. But yeah, I think uh, I just kept kind of like networking. Networking calls were great. Like people were really generous with their time. I think a lot of people were really empathetic that there were so many job searchers in such a challenging job market. I was having a lot of conversations with people and just like learning as much as I could about the companies and the industries I wanted to be in. And I think that that was one thing that like really helped to keep me motivated. What I'm hearing is the common thread of both of your stories, both very different stories, both equally unsettling. I can imagine the fears, the anxieties that you both were going through in this whole moment of deciding, okay, do I take path A or path B? But, you know, you both kept going on consistently networking with the recruiters, still trying to keep yourself top of mind in the heads of the recruiters, still chatting with different people, still finding out about different industries that might be interesting to you. And I think that's definitely something applaudable, right? To remain calm and strategic and intentional with your network positive and positive at such a distressing time. So, you know, kudos to you guys for, for just keeping up that positive attitude. A lot of, you know, getting through this period was because we also relied a lot on each other. I don't know if we've given this context, but Amelia and I were actually roommates during our MBA period. And so a lot of this ambiguity was very shared. And I remember a lot of evenings where we just sat down and were like, yeah, I I literally cannot tell you what's going to happen to me the very next day. And it, it was a really tough time, but we always sort of just were there for each other. So thank you, Amelia. (laughs) No, I was going to say the same thing. Like I remember Kevin going through the final rounds of interviews, which were very intense. And then even after he got the position, like having a lot of uncertainty about like if and when he would be able to start and where he'd be starting from. And the same thing, Kevin was on the receiving end of a lot of my anxiety about like, I have no idea where I'm going, what I'm doing. My plans to move to Shanghai are shot. I guess I'm going back to the US. I don't know. And so Kevin was on the receiving end of a lot of those like anxious conversations and it was really really great to have that support system so yeah big thanks to to Kevin and also to Janice and Sarah they were also there yeah 
I remember, sorry, last last moment of <laughs> remembrance. <for> <laughs> love I love it. it. I love it. Uh, I, think, love. I think it was like the two days or the very last day before Amelia left for the US. And we were like, well, we have literally zero clue what is going to happen. So let's just invite all of our classmates. And we had this one last very emotional goodbye party. And that was literally the last time we were all together because beginning the very next day, everyone was just leaving the country because, you know, there were rumors of the country, Malaysia shutting down in two or three days or so. And everyone was just fleeing. And yeah, I think that was a really tough moment for all of us. Okay. I just have to add to that as well. Like Kevin's right. It was the last night before I left Malaysia and we invited everyone to our flat to just eat risotto with us. Um, And it was (laughs) such a magical night. Like I remember Connor looking me in the eyes and being like, thank you. We all really needed this. So we just like, like all shared food and just like turned into like this really special evening and then I remember the next day I was taking off down the runway and I was listening to our dean Charles Fine give a a town hall meeting to all of the students and as I was taking off on the flight down the runway our dean Charles Fine was like yeah if you can leave we encourage you to leave because Malaysia will be shutting down in three days and so I was like well I guess that I guess I'm not going to come back anytime soon like I had plans to return in two weeks but I guess that's probably not happening it was just like a very uh interesting timing but yeah it was a great send-off for sure and I have to say listening Kevin as well as Amelia to you both speak about this happening right in the middle of the pandemic when all these distressing moments and emotions I can imagine you're going through I'm literally having goosebumps right now because I can only try to you know imagine and empathize with with the exact situation you you all were in but you know just hearing the two of you share about how your plans have just been thrown completely off the rails Amelia leading you from Shanghai and now to Boston completely unsuspecting I would say and you ended up pursuing a master's at MIT specifically the master's of science and management studies so the MSMS after the MBA so if we can just ask that you share with our listeners what was that experience like especially since perhaps and I'm guessing this but you were not even looking to go back to school right you mentioned about networking to land into different roles and job opportunities so how did that experience happen and also how did you navigate your studies and the job hunting process during that period? Yeah, absolutely. The MSMS program at MIT was something that I had looked into very briefly in 2019 when our class came to MIT for our immersion program. But it had kind of very much been put on the back burner because my plans were to go to Shanghai. When I came back to the U.S., uh, kind of crash landed back in the U.S. in the middle of the pandemic, I was obviously networking and job searching and applying to jobs like crazy. And as I kind of mentioned, companies just were like on hiring freezes and really not hiring. So basically, I decided to apply to the MSMS program because it was a great opportunity. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to have a dead year where I'm not going to be able to find a job that I'm really interested or passionate in, then I might as well spend that time continuing my education. And the MSMS program actually provides an opportunity to deep dive into one industry. And since I was very confident that that industry for me was education or education technology, and education technology had also kind of become super relevant all of a sudden because because of the pandemic, all of our students had been pushed online and education technology was just exploding in that moment. So because it was an an industry I was super interested in, it felt like a really relevant time to then do this program at MIT that would allow me to deep dive into that area. 
But I, I remember having an interview, a job interview, like I think it was maybe the only job interview I had in that time between graduating from my MBA and starting at MIT with an ed tech company. And I said, okay, if I get this job at this ed tech company, I'm not going to MIT. And long story short, I did not get the job with the ed tech company. I think I was a little overqualified, unfortunately. But I was, that's, that's kind of the crossroads where I was at, where I was so desperate to just like have a job and be making money again, that I, that I would have given up the opportunity to go to MIT just to take like a job I was overqualified for. So that's kind of like, you know, these hard decisions that you face in these, in these moments. I think everything worked out the way it was supposed to, because I did go to MIT. It was a good experience. It was very much an experience heavily shaped by COVID. So we were tested twice a week, like half of our classes were online. And when I say tested, I mean COVID tested, obviously, twice a week. We had an app to track our testing status. The response to COVID was completely over-engineered, which was great. It was also great because the school right down the road, Harvard, um, Harvard Graduate School of Education did not have any students return to campus. They were completely closed. So it was really great that MIT was able to like over-engineer their solution and bring students back on campus at such a successful rate. So that was that was really positive, I think, although you know there were a lot of challenges just navigating during a pandemic. But you asked about my job search while at MIT. Some important important context is that it, it was a one-year program at MIT, so it's a very intensive program. And you kind of have three parallel objectives in that program. You're trying to make the most of your coursework and do the best in your courses you can and make the most of the experience. But you're also developing a master's thesis. So that's kind of your second parallel objective. And then, of course, the third parallel objective is, is the job search. And we were asked to submit updated versions of our resume and start applying to recruiting programs and things like that before we even came in for the first day of classes. So there was really no break in the job search whatsoever. The job search just continued on at full speed ahead the entire course of the program. It was it was kind of figuring out how to juggle those three competing objectives. And so basically, I just tried to like reserve one day a week where I would just focus on the job search. So I would try to just schedule that into my schedule. And then I continued the networking calls as much as possible. And then I think that the thing that was really, really helpful for me was the external accountability. I personally really needed some form of external accountability because there were just so many things competing for my attention that I needed like something to keep me on track with my job search and keep me accountable to that. Cause I think that was the easiest thing to let fall to the wayside. And so I scheduled regular meetings with the career development office at MIT, which was a great resource to have. And then I also found a career search accountability buddy, someone else from my MBA class who was also career searching. And we would have like weekly or, or bi-weekly meetings just to give each other some accountability and like what, how many jobs have you applied to? How many networking calls have you had? You know, you're not alone. Keep going, like cheering each other on to keeping up the morale, but also keeping up the accountability. So I think that those were some of the things that were really helpful for me in the job search at MIT. Wow. So just to also give some context to our listeners, Amelia was the co-president of the student body when we were students in ASB. And even since that time when we were classmates together, you have always been super resourceful. So, you know, what I'm hearing is you brought your resourcefulness all the way till when you went to do the MSMS again. And I think that has really paid off well, right? Because You've really leveraged all um, of the resources that MIT has provided you, whether it's, you know, these career services or even taking up roles as research assistants to pad up your CV and to get yourself ready 
for your role at Lego. So I think that's really great. And a lot of our listeners out there, especially those who are considering, do I want to further my studies to do a master's during this time? I think one takeaway from that story is that if you do decide to do it, make the most out of where you are and leverage on all the resources that your school does provide you. So that's really good insight for our listeners. Kevin, I actually want to dive um, into your story. You have had a very exciting journey since accepting the offer from your company because your role is pretty unique. It's a graduate program that allows you to rotate internationally. In a time of a pandemic, how did that work? What was that experience like, especially in the midst of various lockdown situations that you experienced when you went back to Kenya? Maybe you can share that to our listeners. Tell them how that was like. Yeah, so it's true that my role uh, requires me to rotate internationally, but within each of the rotations, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much fixed within that outpost. And for my first rotation, it was the Kenya office, but actually the Kenya office covers much of Africa. So it's 44 countries in Africa are served by the office in Kenya. And so that technically meant that I, it should have been within my scope to travel within the countries, those 44 countries within my office, but I wasn't able to make any of those trips happened. I, I was really hoping I'd be able to at least, you know, visit one, maybe two, if I'm pushing it. But the COVID situation towards the end of 2020 in all of Africa was really dire. And so all borders were closed. So there wasn't really much that I was able to do. However, really critical to my rotation was gaining in-field experience. So I was really keen on tagging along our medical representatives. So basically the people, the force that goes out and talks to doctors and does the selling uh, of the products, just because I thought that's a really important skill to gain. And so I, I wanted to tag along with those people who are still within Kenya, at least able to go out and meet the doctors. But then this was during the pandemic. I mean, most doctors fully engaged trying to you know, serve COVID patients and those who have time to see sales reps, they're going to see them at very odd hours or at very odd places. So I remember I must have seen a, a good number of doctors in ICU wards, including a COVID ICU ward. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? There are people fighting for their lives here and I'm going there with my PPE tagging along with a sales rep just to see how they talk to their doctors. And I'm like, this is me playing with the situation. But all in all, I think I got the best I could out of it. The interesting bit is that at Possibly as a result of that, I ended up getting COVID. And this was when I was still very new in the company. Around six weeks after I had joined, I contracted COVID and I was basically patient zero for our office. Mm. And their, their COVID protocols dictated that if someone got tested positive, then they would have to shut down the office. So me, six weeks into uh, my new role, I was patient zero and then ended up shutting down a continental office. I mean, <laughs> it's good to enter with a bang, but this is not the one I was hoping Way to for. leave your mark, Kevin. <laughs> now and, everyone and knew. The new guy sent us all home. But, you know, luckily my colleagues were so supportive in how they handled it. And even though the office was closed, the mitigation plans were in place. But for me personally, I was sick and I had to, you know, battle with COVID. COVID for a couple of weeks. I think it took me like 
six proper weeks for me to fully recover. So I wasn't in and out in 14 days. It lasted much longer for me. I mean, it was all part of the experience, right? <laughs> and you got yourself over to Copenhagen after that. And yes, oh yeah, that was a whole other thing. It appeared like I wasn't going to be able to proceed for my second rotation because Europe was still very much closed beginning of this year. And I remember the process went on for so long and I was just in this perpetual ambiguous state, not knowing whether I'm going for my second rotation or not. And if I'm not going, am I going to start working for HQ remotely or not? Or do I continue in my current situation? And it was a very ambiguous moment. I got my approval, like my work permit and all of that. Between getting that and starting my first job were only 11 days. So I got my confirmation and I had 10 days basically to wrap up everything, say goodbye, pack up my bags and move myself over to Copenhagen. So it all happened very fast. But the most of the period I was just, you know, waiting in limbo, not knowing what the next step is going to be. And over here in the Copenhagen office, do people know you as the guy who shut their whole offices down? Luckily not. <laughs> so that <laughs> that's a, you know, baggage that I, I choose to keep uh, hidden. <laughs> but yeah not really in the office here a lot of people had already gotten it so it wasn't as novel as it was oh, when you're not I first that special after home. all is it i wasn't that special after all for our listeners who don't get the pleasure of doing this video call that janice and myself are doing kevin is currently taking this call out of his office and it's a very bizarre scenario because personally i've never been into the office in the past year and a half now working remotely has been perpetual and especially in the company that i'm at they have made it very clear that they are not going to mandate their employees to return to the office as soon as the other industries we're, we're taking a very slow approach to that so seeing that you're in an office environment it's kind of super bizarre but touching on the point of re-entering the workforce after a brief hiatus it definitely has its own unique challenges right without throwing COVID into the mix but for, for the both of you, Amelia, as well as Kevin, you were both onboarded into your new roles right smack in the middle of COVID. So can you talk us through what has been some of the most challenging aspects about starting a new role during this time? Amelia, would you like to go first? Yeah, absolutely. For me, I think the biggest challenge has just been the uncertainty around the schedule and struggling to find a rhythm because I live in Boston and our headquarters is, is in Boston. And the company, Lego Education, has been trying to reopen the office in like graduated steps. So at first it was one day a week, then two days a week, working up to three days a week. And they've had to constantly reverse those um, decisions and scale back over and over again. So it's been a constant like ebb and flow of, are we going into the office? Are we not going into the office? And so just having that kind of looming in the distance and, and like not knowing what next week or next month is going to look like has been for me a real challenge just to like get a rhythm, either working from home full-time or working from the office or figuring out some kind of hybrid schedule. So I think that has been the biggest challenge transitioning into a job during the middle of a pandemic. Luckily, I have been able to meet my teammates a few times, which has been really nice. I think that if we were fully remote, that would be an additional challenge. It's just not being able to meet your team in person and like build those important relationships for starting a new job. But I have been lucky enough to at least at least meet them in person a few times, which has been nice. And Kevin, what about you? 
So even though I'm in the office right now, this has not always been the case. When I was starting in the office in Nairobi towards the end of last year, it was a very different scenario. Most people were working from home and it's really challenging joining a company and especially in a new industry and everyone is siloed in their homes. Integration becomes really hard basically because there's, there's something about being onboarded that, you know, there's a component to it that's about having lunch with colleagues and getting to hear, oh, this is the unofficial, this is on the lowdown, see that department, these are the undertones associated with it. But you lack all of that when you're basically seated at home and, you know, you just can only get information from scheduled calls. And so I tried to work around that by by making myself available in the office as much as I could. So people had flexibility and I tried as much as possible to go to the office every day on the off chance that this one person or this other one person will show up the same day and I can just get whatever little information I get from them. So it was a bit of a struggle as to begin with, but you know, you you adjust uh, and you adapt and you move on. And so I found the slightest reasons to schedule calls with different team members just so that I could get as much contact time as I could get to begin with. And then after some time, it's sort of ramped up and you start feeling like you're a member of the organization. But I have to say it was it was quite challenging to begin with. Mm. Now it's a different story though. Yeah, I can definitely resonate with that because when I started my role as well, which was last year in June, I arrived in mm-hmm. Hong Kong and at the time, Hong Kong was still relatively safe. But the moment I came out of my quarantine, the city experienced its second wave, right? So everyone was then sent home. And then I basically had, you know, barely any contact with um, my team, people in the office. So I definitely resonate, you know, in terms of the missed opportunities of the water cooler chats, right, as they call it, or the side sort exactly. of like, yeah, the, the little moments in between, but you find ways to navigate that and to bridge that gap. So, you know, as we've been reflecting during this conversation, when you think about it, it's a truly extraordinary shared experience that we all have had, you know, graduating in the midst of a pandemic, embarking on new career chapters in the midst of a pandemic, making career and personal choices in the midst of this time. I'd like to invite you guys to reflect and share with our listeners, what would you say is the most important lesson that you have learned as you navigated this transition, going from student life, MBA life, to now coming into the workforce and being quite fresh as well in the workforce? What would you say is the biggest lesson that you have learned so far? Mine is super short. (laughs) And my biggest lesson is that adulting is hard. (laughs) But honestly, though, looking back, I feel like I have gotten really good at handling and being comfortable with ambiguity and not knowing what's out there uh, for me. But at the same time, knowing that it doesn't spell doom, you know, just keep doing what uh, you're able to do in that moment, in that point in time. And then the next step will present itself. I, I, I keep getting reminded of how if there's a car with headlights in a really dark road, your your headlights only allow you to see just what's ahead of you on the road, right? And the rest of it is one big black unknown. But you keep moving that step by step, and then that next portion is illuminated. And this whole pandemic process for me has been like one big lesson in that. I've I've come to learn that it's it's okay to not have the full picture ahead. Just keep doing what you can, what's there in front of you, and then the next step will bring itself. 
that and adulting is hard. (laughs) (laughs) I completely agree with Kevin. Like just learning to be really comfortable and to be able to continue operating in tremendous amounts of ambiguity has been a constant lesson of the pandemic, I think, probably for all of us. And I think that's something that like our MBA prepared us fairly well for. There was definitely a lot of ambiguity built into the MBA and especially into our action learning projects. So I think that that was a, a probably as good as you can possibly get for a, a preparation for the amount of ambiguity that we've faced during the pandemic. So I would definitely second a lot of what Kevin said. I think for me, one of the most important lessons I learned coming out of school and into actually my first corporate career is that it was a really difficult change of pace because the MIT program I was in and also the MBA program that we were in were so intensive. And school, I think, is you have a finite amount of time to achieve everything you want to achieve, to take advantage of all of the resources and opportunities you want to take advantage of and to make the most of the entire experience. But it has a deadline. It has an end in sight, right? Hopefully, if you're in a school program, it has a definitive end. For me, it very much felt like a sprint. Whereas transitioning from that kind of intense pace into my first corporate career, I had to kind of change that mindset and realize that this is no longer a sprint. This is your career and it's a marathon and it's a long-term end game. There's no end in sight unless you're planning on career hopping. And so you can't go at that breakneck speed of like a full-on sprint like I was doing at MIT. I had to kind of like change that pace and realize that if I needed to slow down and to like go at a more sustainable and more steady rate if I was going to be successful in my new career. I think everyone comes into their new jobs eager to prove themselves and to learn as much as possible and to, to make impact as quickly as possible. But I, I had to slow down a little bit and, and realize that if I was going to be successful in the long term in my career, I needed to figure out how to balance my new job with other parts of my life. Just realizing that school was very much a sprint and the career is very much more like a marathon and figuring out how to change the pace, I think was one of the more important lessons that I learned transitioning from school to the workforce. So well said, Kevin, that adulting is hard and Amelia, that pace is so much more important than speed coming out of the MBA and then moving into the workforce where we all are now. And, you know, I just wanted to touch on one point that, Amelia, I think you mentioned it as well. Ambiguity is something that we've all learned to become more comfortable with as part of the MBA. That's something that we've definitely been trained for. The other thing I'd like to add to that is definitely adaptability, right? Some people talk about what's the most important skill you've learned out of the MBA. It's not about how you, you know, nail your case studies or how you can do pivot tables. I really think that the smart and sharp skills is definitely to be adaptable. And that has taken us so far. And and that's just evident in how the both of you in the midst of this entire pandemic, I can't, someone needs to do a count on the number of times we said pandemic in this episode. But you know what I mean? (laughs) Just being extremely proud of how far you've come and how you've just adapted to every situation that has been thrown towards you. And so on that note, we'd like to invite you to share any final thoughts that you might have to leave with our listeners as we come to the close of this conversation. Kevin, would you like to go first? I think I'll just reiterate what I mentioned about, you know, comfort in ambiguity and being adaptable and just tell everyone who's in a position where they feel like they're in limbo or they just don't know what the next step is to take a moment and just breathe. It's going to be fine. You have just that one next step uh, ahead. Take that one. Don't think about the other four. 
just that first one and it'll be fine and amelia excellent advice i think if you're a job searcher or if you're a student graduating and looking to enter the workforce you've heard it before but i'll say it again like i think the one piece of advice i would have for you is like network 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 i think it's super important to get comfortable introducing yourself on linkedin and like asking for people's time and i've had a lot of students reach out to me about the mit program or about lego and i've taken a lot of networking calls and i it's like interesting to be on the receiving end of of asking for networking calls and like one thing i would say is that a lot of students will at the end of a call say like sorry for taking your time and i would say like please don't say sorry say thank you like ending with sorry in a networking call it feels negative it makes me feel bad it makes me feel bad that you feel bad and so i think like sending a meaningful follow up email with a sincere thanks something that you actually took away from the call and like, referencing back to something meaningful that you got out of the call is really important because you know the person that you talk to realizes that they actually gave you something valuable and that it was not a waste of their time or your time and i think that networking is very much like a muscle that you can exercise and it gets stronger and so that year and a half or two years of networking that I did through the MBA and through the MIT program, so many of those calls like didn't really go anywhere. But I think all of it was a practice and an exercise in getting comfortable with that. And ultimately, that is what led to the role that I'm in now. I, I just had the right networking call and talked to the right person at the right time to become aware of the position being open and things like that so that I could get my application in. So I absolutely think networking is super important and not just from like a career standpoint, but also from a personal standpoint, like Kevin was saying, take it one step at a time. You're not alone. We're all in this together. People are there to support you. So share your journey with other people and reach out to your network, even just for support. Talk to everyone about your job search, like everyone that you meet and everyone you encounter. If your job search is consuming your time and your mind, share that with other people because the more people that know you're on the job search and the more people that know exactly exactly like what you're looking for, what your dream companies are, what your goals and your challenges are, the more people that are going to be sharing their ideas about how to solve your problems or someone they know who might know someone. We know that those third degree connections are the strongest connections for finding new opportunities. So just share your job search with everyone, tap on everyone and use your support systems and, and use your networks because you never know what, what connections you're going to find. And it, it feels good to, to not be alone in it. So take it one step at a time and, and don't forget to reach out to people for sure. I think those are such great insights, Amelia. And, you know, just to echo what you just said, if you don't ask, you'll never know, right? The worst thing that's going to happen, they might say no, they might just not reply you. But the best thing that can come of it is genuine connection and something that might land you into your next opportunity. So that's a really good reminder, whether you're currently job hunting or not even job hunting at the moment, I think in general. I hope for all of you who are listening out there, if you are thinking about going to pursue your master's or you're currently in the midst of pursuing your master's that you will feel encouraged by these real life accounts of our fellow classmates, Kevin, Amelia, and Sarah as well. And so on that note, thank you so much for your time today, Kevin and Amelia. We really enjoyed this chat. We're so glad you took the time to catch up with us. Thank you so much, both. Thank you so much for having us. If you've stuck around to the end of this episode, we want to say thank you for exploring with us. 
And if you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and most importantly, share this episode with your friends. We'd love to hear from you. So you can also connect with us on Instagram using the Instagram handle Explore This Podcast. A-C-T-S-P-L-O-R-E This Podcast. New episodes for Explore This drops every Monday at 8pm. See you then!